welcome to Respawning Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Holden Depardo, and that is... Chad Michael Innes! And you're you, and that's why we love you. Let's start right off with our Sony Quest log, Final Fantasy VII gameplay at TGS. TGS! Says the <laughs> Tokyo Game Show! <laughs> that I is really what Chad want always this to be somebody's like. first episode that they ever listen to and they actually think that I sound like that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with sounding like that. There's not, but the voice he's using right now is not his normal voice. The no. original one you first heard, that's yes. his normal voice. <laughs> so they had Final Fantasy VII gameplay at TGS. It was largely things we had already seen at E3. Exactly. I feel. There was one more boss fight they showed off that was kind of cool. It's like this big blue monster with horns protruding from its shoulders. But I did notice was that during there? that fight... I didn't watch that. Yeah, there was that. That was kind of cool. Um, they had... It was Aerith and... Who's the other girl in... Other woman in... Uh, did they show Tifa? Tifa, yeah. Tifa was fighting alongside Cloud. And then Cloud had a different sword. Now, I never played Final Fantasy VII. Does he... I thought he always had the Buster Sword throughout the whole game. Does that he change? different weapons throughout the game. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if I could yeah. actually change with the animation. I mean, his Buster that. Sword is the iconic sword, and that's the one he has yeah. on the game cover and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you get different swords. I always hate when games do that, actually. I'd rather like boost up my Buster Sword, because then I feel like I'm not using the iconic awesome sword, and if I want to use that, i got to be shitty at the game. On the opposite side of things, we'll come back to this later, or maybe never again. I really hate when you have shitty clothing starting out, and then you equip new stuff, and your shitty clothing never changes, like the Dragon Quest Eleven demo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind the shitty close in that, but I know what you mean. I totally know what you mean. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're not really much talking about the Final Fantasy VII gameplay, to be frank. But there was Death Stranding gameplay. We finally got our full peak, uh, peak at the gameplay in crystal clear Japanese. So I know exactly crystal what happened to the game. Clear. Like crystal who, clear. The audio, the microphones they were using were top crystal notch. clear, top notch. I'm sure Kojima explained it really well in a language I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was so a Death Stranding 50-minute video. 50, well, 49 minutes of gameplay of Death Stranding. So people can actually see you moving around the world for an extended period of time. I watched like maybe six minutes of that in Japanese. And then I instead watched the 10-minute recap, 59 things you learned about Death Stranding from this video. And just saw the recap in English. Yep, I did not watch that, and I I watched the full 49-minute gameplay demo in Japanese. So my interpretation very well could be off, but I feel like I have a somewhat better idea of what this game is, and I'm a little more excited about it than I was after the really strange gameplay. They are starting to reel me back into, yep. Yeah, um, I do have some concerns about moment-to-moment gameplay being entertaining. Uh, we'll see. But just to kind of jump into it, it the big thing is the social aspect. That's kind of one part that has been discussed and talked about, and I feel like I know what that means now. Right. We already knew that you were connecting different uh, different cities in the United States kind of together. That was kind of the idea. But it seems like that happens through people helping each other out in their own versions of the game, but it all kind of collaborates in some way. So like you notice things like Sam will put a a ladder down and then when he comes back to that area, there'll be another ladder next to it that looks like another player had put down and that the worlds are connected in some way. And you can kind of see like in in Dark Souls, for example, you can leave the notes down for people. 
right. and you can rate those notes. You'd see those kind of ratings as well of people who liked that thing that you did. There are things like I saw there was a bridge at one point where there's this, this big structure like I'm um, going over uh, a river. And that had like a 420-something likes because it was really useful and helpful. So I kind of feel like as everyone plays this game, they have the shared experience where they're building the world to to literally rebuild it because it's been damaged by the Death Stranding. And that's the stuff where I get confused. I don't really know what the Death Stranding's about still. But that's a cool concept for a game. Yeah. They showed Is that a, kind of the vibe um, you got too? Yeah. They, they showed a, a – did you watch the briefing trailer? No. Where they were talking about the woman who's like – the only thing I remember about her is that her middle name is America. Um, <laughs> they are very on the nose with the names of these characters. Hartman, Sam Porter Bridges, America is the president. Um, anyway, so <laughs> the, it's it's a trailer basically maybe like six or seven minutes about her pleading with Sam trying to get him to make the journey all the way from the Atlantic to the Pacific, literally making those connections – physically and by uniting the people along the way and as you mentioned you mm-hmm. do that and you have the the kind of the feedback version of that is likes the social media likes uh i'm glad that it doesn't actually have like facebook integration likes or that we haven't seen so far and that it's its own proprietary <laughs> made up social network but mm-hmm. yeah i love the idea of taking that dark souls leave a note kind of thing one step further and like if you leave something behind that's very helpful like the, like the bridge they mentioned, you can either choose to collapse a bridge and take it with you and use it again, or you can leave it down for other people. Or if you leave a note that's particularly helpful for somebody and people like it, then that helps you in your world. So it, yeah. I love that it's a video game that encourages people to do good and to help other people and that you get further in the game by being like, I think about Avenue Q and when you help others, you can't help helping yourself. That's the <laughs> one good thing that they say in that musical. Other than you can be as loud as the hell you want when you're making love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I feel like I finally have an understanding of what that means. And I feel like I'm finally being... There's a context to some of the quote-unquote things that I found boring that I've yeah. seen in the game. See, like, why am I doing bridges? Why am I, like, going to see Jeff Keeley and some Japanese pop star in a thing. And like, oh, okay, I kind of get now. The mechanic is yeah. I'm gaining popularity and gaining rapport with people and recruiting them to my cause. I think that's also going to help out with two. And tangent that's going to tie right back into this again. It seems like the main mission structure is essentially you're making deliveries. You are going from city to city carrying stuff. And you have like a set weight limit of how much you can carry. And I, when I was kind of first watching it, I'm like oh, this is going to be really boring because it seems like it takes forever to get somewhere. Like You really have to trek across and really have a, a journey to get to the next city. But then I realized, well, if the world's kind of changing around you, you might be seeing different things on your way back and forth and seeing this world evolve over time. So like the environment very much is a character. Like everyone always kind of jokes about, like New York City is a character on our show, like in 30 Rock. <laughs> um, but it really does feel like it has a. <laughs> uh, it really feels like it does have uh, that. That world's going to be very, very important to this, to this game and the mechanics surrounding it. So, I don't know. Like, I'm still have a concern that game to game. Sorry, the moment to moment gameplay is going to be kind of a, a little bit of a drag. There was just so many points in the 50 minute uh, demo where they would cut to him doing the same thing that he was doing before, like a time, like a time jump. Yeah, and it may be a little concerned, but I feel like if 
there are a lot of people playing this game and things are changing a lot, that could get really, really interesting. Yep. Can we also um, talk about the like all of the things that like that Norman Reedus is just doing, like sitting on the bed, putting on his necklace of whatever I forgot the, what they called it in the debriefing trailer. Uh, how fucking good this game looks visually! Yeah, it is so stunning. Like seeing that also made me excited. Like, well, fuck! Now I have to, if a game literally looks this good, I have to play it. Absolutely, the environments in particular practically look photorealistic practically perfect in every way one thing i noticed is there's a lot of similarities to breath of the wild no no i'm not kidding these are not like small but i don't want it i don't want it (laughs) for one it's about the journey across the world which is very similar to breath of the wild but it's not that stuff it's stuff like breath of the wild is not about a journey across the world it's about going in your backyard to the castle that's been there the whole time (laughs) <laughs> journey across the world to collect stuff to ignore the castle until you want to go there so there'll be things like you bring some of these supplies to a small little like shelter and when you get to that shelter you talk to someone and when you talk to that person it then fills in a portion of the map just like the Sheikah Towers do in, in Breath of the Wild just like every tower does in Assassin's Creed and any open world game and when you just get a radio it, but tower it plays in Spider-Man out the same exact way in as every it does in Breath of the Wild it pulls out to the map it like has a very similar animation I felt it looked very very similar that's There's exactly what Assassin's Creed of, does. that's what all the games going. do let me, keep, <laughs> let me keep going you are you are con- making this so contrived trying to tie it to Breath of the Wild when it's just video no, games I'm... Breath of the Wild <laughs> sucks <laughs> There is this element of, as well, of struggling against the environment, it seems like. Like, when Sam went to go across this river, he he ended up losing some of his supplies because he went too deep in the water. And he has, like, collect them back up again. Like there's just kind of this, like, challenge against the environment being one of the obstacles that he faced across. And Breath of the Wild is one of the only games that I've played that I've really seen that before. Because you've never so played Assassin's kind of... Creed. What was that? Because you've never played Assassin's Creed? I played Assassin's Creed before. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I played Assassin's Creed before. Whatever. Catching, you have to like catch your breath. There's this whole thing of like leaning side to side to like shift the weight of your of your bag, I, I noticed. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. I'm I'm hoping that a lot of that is Japanese gaming, like they even showed in Final Fantasy VII, like all the weird quirky stuff, like you can do squats and all this kind of stuff, but you don't have to do that. That stuff is there if you want to do it, but you don't have to do that. I kind of hope some of these yeah. things that we're seeing, like peeing on mushrooms and and readjusting the weight and doing like sh- little things like that, like I get it. They're there. I can do them once or twice, but I don't have to continue to do that for the rest of my life or else I'll die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I hope so, because there's things like I have so here. At one point, Sam literally sits down, and three options are available. Massage sh- shoulders, sleep, and stand up. I'm like, oh, boy, I hope I don't have to do that. <laughs> yep. Oh, no, I got a massage. I got to give Sam Reedus a massage right now. Um, Sam okay, I went to the enemy encounter. There were two enemy encounters in the demo. One was regular people's. One was Death Stranding. Enemy encounter with the people. It didn't seem like you were actually killing them. It seemed like the goal was to get away from them yep. or to knock them out in some way. Yep. Render them or unconscious. Kind of... Yes. 
Uh, that seemed really exciting, actually. There was this very impromptu feel to it where, like, there was a truck and uh, – uh, what was his name? Sam Bridges runs up to the truck and has to, like, pull the guy out of the truck. Then he starts to drive away, but they're shooting at the truck – these like electrical shocks that take the truck out. So then he had to run out on foot again after the truck was incapacitated. Very, very. It seemed like very, very fun. Honestly, I liked that part of it a lot. It's kind of having to think in your feet. What do I have around me? Again, very similar to Breath of the Wild because Breath of the Wild functions that same exact way. Kind of like a Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn as well. To all the trucks to you in Breath of the Wild, yeah. All the trucks in Breath of the Wild. No, you have to think <laughs> in your feet, knowing in the environment what's around you that you can utilize. So I liked that. Also, the exosuit seems really cool. It like allowed him to do this big jump over a gap. Cool stuff. Then you fight the Death Stranding. Yeah, I should you say do. this is where I was kind of confused because I didn't know what they were saying. But what it seemed like is you're supposed to avoid the Death Stranding if you come across them. However, if they notice you, I'll get to that in a second. It seemed like they were trying to agitate the Death Stranding. He kept. The player playing the game kept shooting at the Death Stranding. I think he was just trying to get their attention so that the next thing would happen. To aggro which is them? You see the ha- yeah, to, so that way you would see those like handprints coming towards you. Right. And then when it comes towards you, then you have that like point of view shot of you swimming through the water really fast at the surface level. Mm-hmm. And when it cuts back to you as, uh, as Norman Reedus, uh, Sam Bridges... You, Though there's water everywhere, you're walking slower in that kind of that black water. You can literally stand on top of like trucks and stuff like that that are coming out of the water while this big monster's attacking you. And this is where it got really trippy because there are things where he would jump to a building and then the monster would start to like hit the building and make the building fall down. So you'd jump to another building all while you're trying to like, as in this case, he was throwing grenades at the monster to, to kill it. And then after he killed it, the water kind of drains into the ground. And it's back to the normal environment again. And this little back thing that blinks, it actually literally waved goodbye to him. Oh, I didn't notice that. He killed the monster and it waved bye-bye to it. (laughs) I didn't notice that. Yep. So that was all cool stuff, but I don't fully understand what was happening there. Um, But there's enough and I'm going, all right, maybe I actually will buy this game. Yeah, I think think I'm back in. Kojima apparently said, Kojima apparently said, before you watch this 49-minute video, if you're in on this game, if you're already sold and you're going to buy it, don't watch this footage. This is for people who aren't yet sold on it. And I think it did its job. I think so, too. But honestly, I think it did its job in two ways. I still don't know what's going on in the game. <laughs> yep. So it's successful in that way. I still feel there's surprises for me when I get into this world. Um, but I, I don't think that it's going to be this 10 out of 10 masterpiece game that I think people are kind of expecting it to be. It could be. We won't know it could until be. November. I'm not getting that vibe quite yet. I think this is going to be one of those games that took a lot of risks, did some really unique things, and set the standard for some other innovations to come going forward. All while being a Kojima-ass unleashed game that maybe this is why... Maybe it turns out to be complete and utter trash, and that's why Konami was like, dude, you're losing it. You got to get out. Take your name off your stuff. Don't go to games. <laughs> don't go to the game awards. You're gonna embarrass yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, this does look just. It looks like it might be a fun, good game, and I'm excited. Yeah, and he is already working his next project as well. That is happening. He's announced that, or he's at least mentioned that he's has ideas for his next project. So he's gonna keep going. He's not stopping. Don't stop. Never stop. Never stopping. Pop star Andy Samberg. 
SNL. That was Brooklyn actually Nine Nine. It was a very funny movie. V funny as the kids say. <laughs> uh, any more thoughts about Death Stranding, Chad? Nope. Nope. Well, we're moving on for the rest of the show. We got some other cool stuff for you. We got that Nicholas st- scandal. Is it Nicholas? Nicholas? What did I pronounce Apparently, it? I don't know. employees in the video are calling it Nicholas. Like the name Nicholas. Nicholas. Okay. okay. I can see that. It's not spelled exactly like Nicholas, but I can see that. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about Ring Fit Adventure. Some Breath of the Wild 2 info that's official that I'm kind of interested in. And then we're going to wrap up our main quest with the Apple Arcade details and kind of our impressions of of that. Before that, though, Chad, you played Borderlands 3. Oh, I played three it. new games. I played Borderlands 3. I played Celeste Chapter 9, The Farewell. And I played Gears 5's new multiplayer mode, Escape. Let's start with that one. Gears 5 Escape Mode. Tom and I played this on Monday, which was after we recorded the last episode and uh, after we finished the game. The game itself, by the way, one thing I forgot to mention is that I love that we're now getting to a point where games are designing their stuff with HDR in mind. Like, you could tell the environments in this game. There's a snowy environment. There's, like, a deserty environment. And the snowy environment with the ice, like sideways flying off the trees everything is like this really beautiful blue and then the like bright red of the desert sands like they are they know what they're doing they're making this stuff visually stunning and i was super impressed by the whole game but then we got to escape mode lots of colors so many bold vibrant colors which is a contrast to 10 years ago when everything was brown and everything was desaturated (laughs) i remember that the original gears of war was all just brown and gray so the escape mode is one of the new multiplayer modes that they showed off. Actually, I think they debuted at E3 when they did the weird, we're going to go into the stage underground and then showed you a television screen with this mm-hmm. on it. So you and two other people have to set off like this poison gas in the middle of a hive. It's like a randomly generated maze that you have to get out of before the gas takes over and you're fighting your way along it. And uh, so I played with Tom and I played with the third person was just randos every single time. But I like... This is a fun game mode. You have a couple of ways that you can play it. You can play it with just like make it out. You could play it with there are boss challenges kind of along the way to make it more difficult. But then similar to I think I've only really seen this in like Bungie's Destiny Strikes where you can play them on like harder difficulties and they like impose different restrictions on you. And you can do that for these as well. So you could say there's like seven or eight different difficulty levels and every single one adds a new thing like you get uh, enemies, get more health, they do more damage to you. And then there are other things that are less common that I totally forget off the top of my head. But that was really interesting to see the, the different difficulty levels you could use outside of just the the game gets harder. Um, that was really fun. I enjoyed it. I liked that it's there. I think it fits well next to Horde and whatever the other multiplayer is that is escaping my mind. Gears 5, all around, great game. Great experience. If you have Game Pass, it's a no-brainer. If you don't have Game Pass, Game Pass is a no-brainer. So you should get it. Next, I had a less than stellar experience with Celeste Chapter 9, <gasps> The Farewell. Oh, no. So this is the the free DLC that they released last week. Um, on first booting up the game, I didn't understand how to access it. And I realized that I never beat Chapter 8 in the game because chapter eight is after you finish the game and then after you finish the epilogue of the game and then there's chapter eight 
And you have to go back and find like four crystal hearts before you can even unlock chapter eight. And the crystal hearts are like really like you have to know exactly where you, they're impossible to find basically without a guide. Like literally, you have to jump into this part of the wall that looks like it's real, but it, or it's not actually a real wall. Um, That's so, lame. I hate that. So stuff. I had to go back, find some crystal hearts, and then play through chapter eight, which was legitimately really, really great. Like I was very, I was like, man, I can't believe I never played this. There's like this whole fire and ice thing. You're switching back and forth between the two that does that. You're kind of sometimes playing through certain parts of it twice. Once is fire, once is ice, and it's very different each way. And then you're switching between the two in the same level sometimes. I loved that part of it. I felt like the puzzles were tricky enough. That it was like, God, what am I supposed to do in this level? But then I was always able to figure it out, and then I have to actually execute on the puzzle once I figured it out. And then I got to chapter nine. And I think what says it all is there's a video on IGN called The First Eight Minutes of Celeste Chapter Nine. I've spent about an hour and a half watching that video, and I'm only about three and a half minutes into that eight-minute video. I am playing this. I cannot, every single puzzle, I can't solve myself. I'm racking my brain trying to figure out how the fuck do I get past this screen. And then I go watch the video, and I'm like, really? That's the way you do it? And then I spend another like 20 (laughs) minutes actually trying to do what they did in the video, which is near impossible. And then I get to the next screen, and it's the same thing. And I have to go find the next 20 seconds of the video. So I'm I'm very, very slowly working my way through the video and I just, I gave up. This isn't fun. I don't feel smart enough to figure these things out. And then once you figure it out, it's way too hard to actually do. So if you're one of those people who like loved the B-sides and the C-sides of Celeste, you might really, really enjoy chapter nine. But it was not for me. Excuse me. I'm glad I went back and played chapter eight though. I'm glad that I got that experience out of it and totally forgot about that that was there. I had heard that they had made Chapter 9 a lot harder, and it kind of makes sense because who are they saying goodbye to? They're saying goodbye to their biggest fans, the fans who did go through and beat the B and C sides. Well, you're also saying goodbye to somebody else, and that's kind of the whole point of the chapter. So it's an in-game character thing. It has multiple meanings. It's deep. <laughs> it's, if you ever played Celeste... I mean, I mean Celeste it, is a deep game. It's legit. There was National Video Game Day this week, and... Everyone was tweeting their top 10 favorite video games. And I legit was like, yeah, Celeste is on that list for me. It is one of my top 10 f- favorite video games of all time. So if you haven't played that game, fucking play it. And then we play Borderlands motherfucking 3. Oh, I am so happy this is here. This is, I played it on Friday for about, I expected to play it for about an hour and a half. And I played it for four hours. And then on Saturday, I played it for maybe another seven or eight hours as well. So you put a I've, good chunk of time in this game. I Yes. Yes, I have. Because I also know that I'm going to be in Seattle for a few days, and I'm back for one day, and then I'm going to be in North Carolina for a few days, so I'm not going to have a lot of time to play this game. Um, but this game is Borderlands 2, if they made it perfect. They'd, there are so many quality of life features in this game that are so small, and then you do it for the first time, and you're like, oh my god, of course. But it's, it's, it is at its core Borderlands 2, but perfect. So things like uh, when you open up an ammo box or cash, rather than having to hold X to pick up everything in the box, it just automatically jumps to you, and, it, and you pick it up on, like, automatically. One of the things they advertise, too, is that the loot, you have the option to play old style or the new style, where everyone gets their own instance of the loot, too, so you don't have to fight over things. In fact, I don't even see, when I was playing with Alex, I don't even see Alex's stuff on the screen. I only see my stuff. 
Um, the ability to fast travel to fast travel points just from your map. You don't have to go to a fast travel station. And then your car can also be a fast travel station. So good. Your action skill unlocks at level two instead of five. So you don't have to worry about grinding for five levels before you actually start to see the fun stuff your character can do. Ooh, this is one that you had complained about in Borderlands 2. Like not knowing whether, like it was hard to tell at a glance whether or not a weapon was better than what you currently had or another version that you might have had equipped in another slot. Mm -hmm. But they had this new weapon ranking system. I forget what they call it. Maybe weapon level or something like that where they assign a number value to how good this weapon is based on all of the factors, damage, how many bullets per shot, clip size, reload speed, all that kind of stuff. And so now I know as I'm going through the world, if anything drops that's like 220 or lower, I don't even pick it up. I don't have to look at, is the damage better than that? Well, maybe the damage isn't as good, but maybe it has twice the magazine size. I don't have to worry about it. It's at 220, not worth my time. So I love that new ranking system. Makes it really easy to kind of pick and choose loot. What um, I really want to know, because mm-hmm. I think you said he played with Matt Vieira. I didn't play with um, Matt he Vieira. Was ahead of you, I didn't play with Matt Vieira. That's part of the new features I'll get to in a second. Okay, there's. I think, you said you played with someone who they were a higher level than you, though, right? We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. I'm talking okay, right that's now just about quality concern. of that's life. My biggest complaint about there are two other quality of life things that I want to point out. One, vending machines actually sell useful guns now. That was part of the thing, like, in Borderlands 2, it was like, I never bought a gun from a vending machine because I knew I was always going to find something better on the ground. But now they sell useful things. Uh, and then there's a cool thing they do. They always want you moving in this game that they give you hints if you're taking too long to figure out something in a quest. Like, there is something where Claptrap needs you to, to jump down and pound on something. But they haven't taught you how to ground pound uh, unless you've played the pre-sequel and you, uh, you're used to that. But it's like, just a trap door and you have to destroy it and he's like man if only there was a way to destroy that trap door wait like 10 seconds i wonder if you could jump from it from up high and like, oh yeah there is a cliff up there you try it once about 10 seconds go by have you tried the jump crouch thing i bet jump crouch would work and i'm like all right let me try that i don't even know what a jump crouch is and then finally they're like jump up high in the air and then hit the crouch button and you'll slam down onto it it's like okay cool you're not gonna let he- let me sit here and waste my time there's also a really funny one where you had to like connect something and then finally she's like, fucking just shoot that thing. It spits out water and that's going to complete the circuit and then you can move on. I was like, okay, cool. I really like this. It gives you the opportunity to figure out if you're smart at puzzles right away, but then it doesn't waste your time too. So then new features. I think one of my favorite new things is the social aspect of, play, of like how you and your friends list are integrated in this game. As I'm playing the game, you remember the badass challenges? Like, find all the vault symbols, jump on the couch oh, in yeah. three times in this area, um, shoot 500 skags, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So those exist in a way in this game as well. But as other people in other games are doing it, you see their progress. So like, I'll be playing the game and I'll be like, oh, Matt just crushed 25 skags with the uh, whatever the fuck. Or so-and-so just picked up a gun that was really, really great. Or this person just reached level 10. So you like get little notifications coming in on the side. You're like, oh, I feel like even though I'm playing solo right now, I, I feel connected to these people. There's actually one part, too, where Alex and I were both playing. And we beat, um, we beat the first boss they showed at the E3 demo which was Mouthpiece. And he's the guy who like has the sound gun and his shield has like the visualizer on it, which is pretty cool. And we beat that. 
And then we were just running through the end of that area. And then I got a little notification. Greg Miller just beat Mouthpiece. And I was like, oh, my God, we're all playing in the same exact spot. That's pretty cool to like know that we're all in the same area. So that's really cool. And then there's also the ability if you're playing with somebody. Like I, um, Sorry, I'm going to skip that part for a second. I'll come back to it. The other thing if you're not playing with people is that as you're looking at your quests, there's a little – if you see a quest and it has a little person and a number next to it, that means one of your friends is also on that same quest. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm playing this story mission. Matt is also doing this story mission at the right time. That's a great time for us to, or at the same time, that's a great time for us to just kind of link up and finish this together. So that's really cool to be able to see that and give you opportunities to, to squad up together. But then when you are playing together, you get your own loot. It doesn't matter what, I was level like 13 and Alex was like level seven or eight or something like that when we were playing together. Um, but when I was shooting the enemies, they were level 13 or 14 enemies. When Alex was shooting them, they were level 7 or 8. And our damage was proportionate based on that, too. So, like, that's clever. if his okay. gun was good against a level 8 enemy, he'd take away a, a big chunk of their health. If my gun was really good, it would also take... So, like, the fact that it's doing all that on the fly is super cool. And it makes playing together a lot more accessible. The loot you get from it is, even though I'm playing in Alex's game and he's lower level, I still get level 13 or 14 loot from it as well. So it it solves all of those problems. It was super cool. That's um, good. They, they, it sounds like they fixed a lot. Yeah, those were basically it's, those were all of my biggest complaints. It's Borderlands too, but perfect. And then yeah. another cool thing that I like that's a new feature is the collectibles. Some of them were linked to challenges before, but they they've added kind of collectibles or like little one off quests that you can do. Like there are dead clap traps everywhere. And rather than just saying, hey, collect pieces, like find every single dead claptrap in the world. They're like, hey, from every single dead claptrap, pick up a piece from it. And then at the end of it, we're going to use that to make a companion for claptrap so that he has somebody to live with and talk to. Like, (laughs) oh, that's kind of a cool spin to make these worth it. Um, Or there are similar to like open world type things where every single level might have a big game hunt thing for Hammerlock where uh, there's some kind of special big monster hidden away in some area of the map that if you find it, you complete it. That's, so there's like one of those for every single thing. So there are like meaningful collectibles and meaningful things to do across the world rather than just saying, collect these for collecting sake, which is pretty cool. This game looks fucking stunning in HDR as well. This I think might be my new like HDR 4k showpiece. It used to be horizon, but now I think it's going to be this. Um, just because the really more so than horizon. Yeah, because they lean they lean into all the bold colors and the cities with the neon lights and all that kind of stuff. And it's all that cel-shaded comic book st- type style. And it mm-hmm. just looks really, really great. Um, there are also, Alex was remarking on this, and I think I agree with it. Like, you notice more voice acting from your Vault Hunter throughout the game. Like, they actually have dialogue for every single quest. They're talking so much more. And their personalities are really great and really well acted. And I love that. And then also... I'm just going to give a round of applause here real quick. (laughs) Shout out to Gearbox Software for finally doing female characters right in a way that every studio from here should be doing as well. This game, about six hours in, I didn't realize this because they weren't throwing it in my face, but every single major character in this game is a female. 
Wow. You got Lilith, you got Ellie, but as you're like the leader of this charge is Lilith. And then mm-hmm. you run into Ellie and you pick up uh, Tannis and, and then you go down to these other planets and these other places and the leaders of that area is a woman. And it's like, but they didn't do the Avengers thing where they're like, oh my gosh, she needs help. We're five women and we're going to kick ass because we're women. <laughs> like, I was like, cool, I get it. That's a really cool one. It's like a matter of fact thing. It's but not it's a... just like, it's there. They're showing women and they're not rubbing it in your face. They're just a part of the game like they should be in real life. We shouldn't have to call attention Mm -hmm. to it and be like, we're a game and everything is strong woman and everything. Or we've included a gay character. Aren't we so progressive? No, just fucking do it. (laughs) And then just make it normal. And I think this is the first game I've ever seen that they've just done it, didn't say a word about it, and it's just normal. Similar to like Flack being non-binary. Like they kind of mentioned it, but it didn't make it. The community ended up making it a big deal. But shout Shocker. out to them fucking no, that, that's that's good to hear because the matter of fact is is, is actually progress if mm-hmm. you're making a huge massive deal about it, it, it you're, i don't know it, 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 the message gets lost yep yeah and then it's like aren't we a bunch of great white men making women <laughs> the stars of our game no you're just now you're finally great people and you've decided to do this and make it normal and mm-hmm. i love it so shout out to them that's awesome all around having a great time with it can't wait to put a trillion more hours into it and the end game also looks like something with the new like features of being able to play with people and be on differing levels like the end game looks like something i'm gonna be able to play with a bunch of people at any given time and make it fun game of the year it might be Uh, it might be it is very 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 good but also there's not a ton this year that i'm looking at this game of the year contenders as well so (laughs) it has a better shot because of that what do you mean link's awakening is not gonna be your game of the year who knows? It could be. Bitch, it Probably might be. be. What'd you play? All right. Schoolwork. Ooh. Yeah, so much fun. This week, I'm going to have time to play. start playing uh, Nier Automata, because I really need to do that. Yeah, you do. Especially before Link's Awakening comes out, because then I will be playing a lot of that. And also before Apple Arcade comes out, because I'll probably uh, be playing some of that. We'll talk about that later on. Though, too. Ooh, we're going to talk about that later. Before that, though, we're going to talk about our fetch quests. We got five of them for you this week. Sink for starters, the there's a Last of Us Part Two event happening September 24th that I'm very, very excited for. I can't wait to finally see more of this yeah, game. But I also don't Wednesday want to see more of this game, because I just want to, I just want to buy it and play it. So it's like, I'm excited, but I, was just, I also just want to play it. I think this is going to be just an event where like, here's the release date. Here's some cool-ass cosplay. Here's a plate of spaghetti. Aren't you happy? <laughs> Here's a plate of spaghetti. Very common. The spaghetti is only for people spaghetti. who were invited to the event live. <laughs> um, there was a, a rumor as well that there's going to be another media event a few days after. that, And that one will That's where they show. ship the spaghetti to anyone watching remotely. <laughs> 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 That's how long it takes for the FedEx to get to you. Yes. <laughs> uh, questionable rumor though but this one is for sure happening Jeff Keighley talked about it next up is next up next, next up whoop. is <laughs> a Vive Cosmos arrives on October 3rd for $699 in the US that's 699 uh, pounds British pounds you just wrote there I know but the headline itself does say pounds but I had to look it up and find out it was 699 American dollars but we don't we're we're an American podcast here, so I want to see the American duelists. I don't know if we just like if we associate ourselves so much with America in this podcast. Well, I like we're to think of us as a Lithuanian podcast. 
<laughs> you're right. We're more of a Lithuanian podcast. The Kick-Ass Irreverent podcast. Lithuanian pod- Gaming Podcast. <laughs> so the headset's going to be $699. This is a 2.0 version of the Vive uh, headset, essentially. Not like the Vive Pro, but like the, this is more of the traditional Vive. It comes with 12 months of Viveport Infi- uh, Infinity, which is actually a really good deal. 88% higher resolution. I was going to ask you about this. This is a flip-up design to get out of VR without having to take off the headset. Does mm-hmm. that appeal to you at all as someone who uses VR a lot? Absolutely. 100%. Does it? Okay. Yep. Why? I have to... So right now, if I'm using my PSVR, I like can scoot... If somebody texts me and I need to read the text message or something like that, I can scoot the screen out from my face a couple inches, but then I have to like mm-hmm. look down at it like an old lady reading through her glasses. Okay. And then also Face ID doesn't work, even if it's scooted out just a bit. And then also thinking about like if... It's so hard to get a Vive or something that heavy and uncomfortable when I was doing the VR gym at the Black Box VR to get that in the right spot and all the things tight in all the right spots. And then if you have to take it off for any reason and then put it back on, you have to work again to get it back in the right spot. So being able to just flip it up, flip it down, I think is going to be huge. Cool, cool. I heard that and went. Really? But that's a good point. That's a good point. Yep. It's also going to have inside-out tracking, which seems to be kind of the trend now with VR headsets. Yeah, that's what the Quest... The camera's on the outside mm-hmm. instead of cameras looking at you. Yeah. Um, this year's Game Awards has been dated. It's going to be December Woo! 12th. That's nice. December 12th. This is kind of a big story, but I don't really have much to say about it other than what we've already said before in past episodes. Game it does look like they're 100... going a little bit of a different direction. Sorry, uh, the Game Awards. Jeff Keighley's statement that he put out, that he tweeted out, it looked like they're highlighting people who make, who create things with like huge world premieres this time. And it looks like it's going to be a little bit different than your traditional Game Awards. And it's the fifth year, so they're doing something special. Um, The next story is GameStop GameStop to close 180 to 200 stores following restructuring. There'll be more closures in the next year or two following that. I feel like we read that same headline every month. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's like it's a big story, but like we've talked about it so much, we don't really have anything else to say. But there is a story that I really debated making the main topic of the week because it's so vitally important to gaming as a whole, and that's that Colonel Sanders is going to be in a dating sim for the official KFC dating sim game. It's big news. Moving on to the Google Quest log. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, not a big deal. Google Stadia will offer game trials after launch. This is from the head of product, John Justice, who says the feature is high up on the list. Are you now convinced to do Stadia? John Justice sounds I... like the knockoff version of Superman <laughs> that you would find in like the Justice Friends in whatever show that was on Cartoon Dexter's Lab. Yeah. I'm John, John Justice, Justice, and I'm going to fight for America. <laughs> <laughs> uh now that we're done making fun of your name john um great great you're Good offering game trials and demos i think it was like only for pro members or something like that as part mm-hmm. of the subscription or something like that but um or maybe it wasn't i think it's necessary so people can find out if this streaming service is even gonna freaking work in their yeah. real world environment before they commit to it mm-hmm. um so cool yeah, don't care. 
actually an important story now to talk about in our third-party quest log uh, from Jason Schreier at Kotaku, Inside the Ghosting Racism and Exploitation Whew. at Game Publisher Nicholas. N-I-C-A-L-I-S, uh, if you just want to know how to spell the company that you should now be shunning and not supporting anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, this is this is definitely one of those examples of, like, cool, so uh, not buying games from them anymore. Not that, I that I actually mean, think the, I ever the, have. Listen, this is a difficult conversation because the, the actions of one person doesn't mean you should shame everyone else who works at that studio and, and their jobs and their livelihoods. It's it's difficult. I, it's a difficult situation. This person, though, sounds like they have a lot of control in the company. Let's talk about it, and then we'll... Let me kind of run through the bullet points here, then we'll, we'll talk about it. So they have, first of all, it's not a very big company. They only have 20 uh, people on staff, and that's in Orange County, California. However, the sources are four external devs that have worked with them and seven former employees. So a significant number of people compared to how many people worked there. That I'm like, yeah, yep. this is... Yeah, that's a lot of people talking. half of their employees are the source for this thing. And this came out later in the article. I want to put it out now. They have no HR department. Is that illegal? I'd really thought that, like, maybe at a certain size you'd have an HR department. I don't know. But, I don't know. damn, they really need it. That's for sure. So the president of Nicholas is Tyrone Rodriguez. Uh, he was described as friendly, yet difficult, uh, controlling and exploitative. He has pressured employees to drink, and he has said racial and ableist slurs at work and over Skype. We're going to break down some of those right now. So controlling and exploitative. Uh, he would pressure employees to do things by saying, don't be a little bitch. He would be super controlling by saying, you can't cross your legs or put your elbows up on the table when you go to events and things like that, because people give a shit about that, apparently. And he monitors employees' Twitter's accounts and tells them to avoid certain people. We're going to get to the business practices in a second. This is just going to focus on Tyrone for, for a bit employees uh, pressuring employees to drink this one's really gross to me he would get developers drunk before discussing business arrangements with them which is just really unethical he would entice employees with big ticket rewards such as airplane tickets to drink disgusting concoctions what that means is drinks that have like okay we're gonna put sprite in a cup pour some ketchup in it also some soy sauce a uh, bunch of other bullshit, and if you drink that, I'll give you a plane ticket to somewhere so you can go on a vacation. 100% did that when I was eight years old. We were at a Golden <laughs> Corral. We used to do it all the time, but we were at a Golden Corral, and you would, yep, you pour ketchup in there, you put Pepsi, you put Sprite, you put orange soda, you put salt, pepper, and then top it all off with a, the skin of a baked potato. <laughs> True story. I was eight, not a grown-ass man running a company. There, are, He also had racial and ableist slurs at work and over Skype. So he referred to external partners as retards, you gays, and I like that N-word, which are just really inappropriate things to say. Two of the employees did say that these were just extremely off-color jokes, but it kind of just doesn't change the fact that it's blatantly offensive, even if he's not being serious. Like, there's just not things that you joke about. Yep. Especially in a professional environment. Um, and this one, I think, is just gross, too. He's telling an overweight employee to go on walks. And pressuring him like that, really, just this guy Tyrone Rodriguez kind of just sounds like just like a piece of shit. You know what? You know what this exactly one hundred percent sounds like. This sounds like somebody who was one of those stereotypical frat boy douchebags. All of this makes sense in like a frat boy <laughs> hazing kind of way yeah. that never grew up and somehow got to run his own company. And yep. there's. There's a certain amount of forgiveness because it's college and you're in a fraternity and everyone understands you're just a stupid fucking I, – I can't even think of a word to describe how bad he is. You're just stupid. Um, yeah. But as a real-world adult, 
living in the working world and working with other people, you you've got to learn if that is who you are on the inside, who's just gross. You've got to learn to work with other people in a professional manner. And this guy never did. And it's just really disgusting. Yeah. And like on face value, you kind of think, okay, well, that sounds like a small company. Uh, who cares? But they actually, you should care for just because of how ridiculous it is. But also they do actually seem to have a very big influence over the industry. So for starters, like when the switch dev kits were first coming out, they had early access to get those kits and they just started buying up as many of them as they possibly could. And they would then hand those dev kits out to other indies that they were partnering with, which kind of just builds a relationship with them. And again, building a relationship with this really unethical company who basically the next point really treats their partners in unethical ways. So this whole ghosting phenomenon, you might know it just from like dating apps and stuff, but also uh, I guess companies do it too. This thought had honestly never even crossed my mind. I just kind of hope that some companies would be more professional than this, but game bakers, uh, they wanted to make a port of fury for switch and these guys said, yes, we'll totally work out with you on that. And then didn't respond to them for months. Didn't say anything to them. And finally, at E3, like, oh, I can see you in person right now. We're canceling this project because you haven't talked to us. We can finally reach out to you and say this. Just it's so highly unprofessional. But it also hurts the indie developers there that rely on ports made by um, Nicholas with game patches and stuff. So Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap, Save Me, Mr. Taco. Um, and there were Probably few examples to there. Taco, Taco, Taco. And they just said, hey, here's a game patch that we would like you to release for Switch. And they never did. Yeah. Not cool. Just really shitty behavior. Not cool, bro. Ed, Mc, uh, Ed McMillan, he actually says he's cut ties with them for future projects. He said there's one... I can't remember what project it was. There's one project that it's so late in, in development at this point, it, 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 they kind of have to finish it up with them. But they're not doing any more work with them after that. And then one of the employees that Jason Schreier talked to says that Nicholas took on too many projects, and that's why they had that ghosting pattern, because they literally just couldn't keep up with the amount of work. Excuse me. But that's when you tell the company, hey, thanks for your interest in us. We like that you want to support us, but we can't handle it right now. That would have been the, a very professional thing and an understandable thing to say. It would have created demand to, to partner with Nicholas because people keep coming to them. And they have to turn away that if you got that partnership with Nicholas, oh, cool, we can get that partnership with Nicholas. Let's stick with them. But now the reputation is, well, don't trust them because they might not even do what they said they were going to do. And they might not even let you know that they're not going to do it. Yep. And at the same time, they're going to make you drink a ketchup and Sprite drink. So, yeah. And that's and like the stuff with Tyrone Rodriguez, that seems to really impact the employees that work there, which is terrible and awful. And then this stuff really impacts the industry, especially indies who are looking to Nicholas and saying, cool, I have a chance to reach out to people with my game because I have a brand like Nicholas backing it up, or who I guess had a reputation. And you're hurting those those teams. It's just, it's just, just this is really toxic. Yep. I'm glad Not that cool. we're, we're, we're weeding them out. Yep. People Jason Schreier is <laughs> the white knight. He is the, he, <laughs> yep. he is the hero that the gaming community needs. He's the kind I'm I'm sure that he like there's so much gross shit that he uncovers that he goes to his therapist and is just like I don't I don't know how to survive anymore. My life yeah, is like just I was full a kid, of gross shit. I loved games. I've seen it, so many things. 
I can't unsee them. <laughs> um, yeah, so screw that guy. Screw That's you guys cool. and gun him. In also in not great news, but this one case is not really surprising to be honest. Uh, NPD US games drop eighteen percent in August, so software and hardware sales were down six hundred and sixty six million dollars. But that's really because hardware subs um, dropped twenty two percent, and software was slightly up. So software was doing okay uh, in comparison to hardware. But NPD notes that this is not an uncommon uh, thing to see this this year. That every single month has had a drop in hardware sales. The best month of the year was February with a 12% drop as opposed to an 18% drop in August. This should surprise nobody because everyone knows next-gen consoles are coming. Why would you buy a new one? But the Switch is doing well and is continuing to improve. I just yeah. the, the losses of PS4 and Xbox One are outweighing that, I guess. There was a conversation on Kind of Funny Games Daily just about like, the NPD is very quickly losing relevance at all because it doesn't track digital sales for a lot of companies. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing now, I think it was Ubisoft said that, or maybe it was EA. One of the two said Mm -hmm. like over half of their sales for the first time were from digital sales. So they're missing a lot of things on PC. They're missing. And so these, these statistics, there are so many asterisks that it's like this game sold this many units on PS4 and Xbox, but we're not counting PC numbers and we're only counting the digital sales from the Xbox store. And it's so many asterisks that it's why are you even reporting these numbers anymore um, well the hardware though is hardware definitely for sure but software yeah. sales it's like meh if you can see that there's still an uptick in physical sales though you can assume that there's an uptick in the digital sales as well so it is i, I assume to... that, that that we'll start to see more and more downticks in physical sales as digital grows so i don't think that they, they can draw that correlation anymore I think you're not understanding my point. My point is that if you are seeing an uptick in physical game sales compared to last year, if digital sales are outselling physical sales, then there's you can easily assume oh. that sales onto the digital side are good. So as well. yeah, there is one specific scenario where if this happens, then you can assume something worthwhile. But there are so many other scenarios where it's like that number is meaningless. No, I, I totally see what you're saying. I'm, the point of this, though, is saying that it's not the software that's suffering. It's the hardware that's suffering. And that point still ties even with the data that's here, yeah. which you're totally right. I, NPD's got to be trying to figure that out, though. They can't not look at software sales I don't know. done digitally. Pier 1 Imports, you thought they've got to be trying to figure out how retail's going, but they're closing a shit ton of stores this year. Are so. they really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. So many things. Too bad. Um, not surprising. Next year, our hardware sales will go back up, definitely, well, in fall at least. Yep. And lastly for the uh, quest log here, Capcom's team-based Resident Evil spinoff, Project Resistance, gets first teaser. It's been rumored, not even rumored, it was leaked to hell. <laughs> we basically <laughs> knew. When I saw the trailer, I'm like, I've seen I've, I have seen this before. <laughs> but now we have it official. It's a team-based survival horror experience. Um. I think it looks like it could be interesting. It seems very similar to um, Friday the 13th, to the yes. new Predator game coming out. You have four kids who are trying to survive in whatever map you've put them in. And then you have one person who is controlling traps and zombies and can even take control of the tyrant itself and, and chase after them, trying to kill all of them before they solve the puzzles together to get out of the mansion or this police station or whatever map that they happen to be in. This could be fun. This could be a lot of fun. 
I don't know. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm excited to play this three years from now when it's failed and it's free on PlayStation Plus, and then we can get five people together on our podcast community and play it on a Tuesday night. That's when I'm excited to play this. Because that's the perfect scenario that happened with Friday the 13th. I don't think I could pay 60 bucks for Friday the 13th. Or even, this is probably going to be like 30 bucks. I don't know. If it's as polished as like Resident Evil 2 is, and has... It is in that same engine. Standard. It's in that same engine. That's so good. Yeah. So I don't know. It could be fucking sick. Yeah. I'm keeping my eye on that. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Uh, moving on to the Nintendo Quest log now. Oh, um, man, you went deep with these notes on the Ring Fit Adventure. I did. Uh, so, all right, so they had the tease last week of this something fitness-based. Right, we and I predicted assumed... it's called Nintendo Trash. <laughs> you just <laughs> you find right. it in the trash and play with it. Uh, then I, I think my guess was that it was going to be like a some sort of fitness party game. We were both wrong because it's not a fitness party game and it doesn't look like trash. I think it looks kind of good, actually. That's just my opinion. That is your um, so opinion. <laughs> I feel like that means Chad disagrees. Let's talk about what it is first and then we'll talk about why I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what it is, is it's an adventure game where you use that ring, where they call the ring con, for different exercises. And you'll have different stages you go to. In each stage, you move literally by running in place. And when you get to an enemy and encounter that enemy, you attack with a squat or some sort of other, you know, workout of some kind that can range from uh, an ar- like red or arm exercises, yellow or core exercises, blue or leg exercises, and then yellow is for yoga moves. And then certain enemies will have a weakness to one of those types of exercises. So kind of encouraging you to, to do certain ones. And those are called fit battles. Um, that's kind of the basic concept of it. Why don't you like that? So here's the thing. This game... This game is going to have their Jared from Subways. Where Jared goes and eats Subway, nothing but Subway. <laughs> and he loses a bunch of pounds. And that makes him more attractive to kids. And now he can diddle them freely. <laughs> uh... To be fair, actually, he did not diddle kids. He just watched films where they were diddled. Um, so much better. <laughs> but so much better. The point of that kidding, is it's all awful. Subway itself isn't healthy, but it's healthier than eating complete shit. So if you're going mm-hmm. from eating complete shit to just eating Subway all the time, yeah, you're going to lose some weight. This, I feel like, is not... The, the exercise that you're going to get from this is not meaningful exercise. You're, there's no way you're going to get any kind of resistance training worthwhile from that little ring. Um, you're not going to be able to get your heart rate up high enough to do anything meaningful by jogging in place uh, and maybe doing uh, those slow squats with just the ring con in your hand and then like jiggling it back and forth. Um, so I, I don't feel like the exercises that you're going to be doing with this ring con and with the leg strap are going to be meaningful enough to actually get you any actual results you're looking for. However, mm-hmm. there will be people who will play this and lose weight because of it and have fun with it because it was m- more than just sitting on the couch. If their yes. routine is, I'm going to come home, sit in the recliner and eat popcorn and drink beer and fall asleep with pig slop on my face <laughs> and then they get up and they move a little bit suddenly yeah they're gonna see some results and i'm i'm happy for them and i'm happy that they're up and moving and that they've taken a step towards exercise however the audience that this is i'm sure this is looking to reach a much wider audience than that it doesn't look 
for anyone who actually wants to exercise and has any kind of know-how about it, this does not look like appealing at all because mm-hmm. if you're not someone who plays games, the game itself looks kind of dumb and shallow. And I, I understand that there's like, oh, but you've got to match your workout type to beat that enemy color. and think, But it, the exercise is not good enough and the game is not appealing enough. On the flip side of it, if you're looking to trick kids into exercising by giving them this kind of cartoony game, there are so <laughs> many other things that look better and that are going to be more appealing to them than what we see in this game. So I think it's kind of failing on both sides. However, we will see some people. Here's another thing. What I appreciated about We Fit is that it wasn't pretending to be a, it wasn't pretending to be something it wasn't. Like it was you're buying this, you're going to do exercises, you're going to weigh yourself, you're going to become healthier by using this thing. Whereas this is kind of doing that, oh my God, you're not even going to think about exercising because you're playing this game and you're running through this town and <laughs> you're going to beat enemies and things like that. And so it's it's not attracting the serious people who are like, no, I want something to help me exercise because they see that game and they're turned off by it. And then it's not being a good enough game to make gamers exercise and trick them into doing something. So they were like, why would I play that game when I could play something much better that doesn't require me to move? So it's not going to trick people who wanted to play games and it's too gamified and silly and awful looking for people who want to exercise. And I don't think there's going to be an audience for it. I think you're wrong because I pre-ordered it and I'm like, this looks like fun. Oh, fuck. All right, we have to do a I, let's play. I am that narrow sliver. <laughs> no, I think that I I need that trick to get into exercising regularly because mm-hmm. I'm really bad at that. I'm really bad at that. And so I'm like, why not what? This looks fun. I also just want to check it out just to like check it out for the sake of the podcast, all that kind of stuff. But sure. I think that could be fun. I actually think it's a good idea because they have things like – and this is where I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here because you know more about this than I do. But you said like you don't need a personal trainer. We talked about this on, on – well, you do need a personal trainer. You talked about that on Affable Idiots uh, when I asked you about like working out that kind of stuff because knowing the forums and all that kind of stuff. And this seems to also be kind of saying, hey, we can show you some of that stuff and get you started on it. I know that like – this is going to be a step towards getting fit as opposed to like, this is my regular exercise routine. This is always going to be from here on out forever. I totally get that. But I think for me, it's a way of getting started and saying, Hey, getting used to working out, getting to the point where I'm not going to a gym and feel like I want to kill myself because I'm just completely dead by the end of it. It just kind of working my way up because I spent most of my adult life, never really going to a gym outside of week long bursts where I felt terrible about myself. Yep. So I can feel terrible about myself in the comfort of my own home while playing a game. And that appeals to me. I like that idea. But I think you're right. Like, looking at them, like, using that ring for certain exercises. I'm like, like, there's one where you defend yourself by pushing the thing into your ab. And I'm like, that's not going to be hard to do. You just push it in your ab. There's no resistance to it at all. I mean, I'm assuming. I, you'd be I mean, surprised I'm sure if they had high. I'm sure there can be with proper form and things like that. They're not going to be policing that. Obviously, anyway. No, no. But also, but like, like, it's still not going to be enough to make any kind of change. But I'm glad that it is encouraging you to get up and move, though. Well, and when I get, get it, we'll see if it does right. or not. And to, <laughs> the idea is is that you want to become conditioned enough so that you can go forward and do other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's but also it's 80 definitely bucks. not. 80 bucks is steep. Is it, though? It's... 
It's got the accessories along with it. That's pretty much the standard price that they've used across the board. They charge 80 bucks for cardboard. This is better than cardboard. <laughs> I agree. 80 bucks is very steep for cardboard. And this is basically a plastic ring and a Velcro strap. Mm-hmm. Steep. Steep. I'm not steep. a believer yet. No, steep is the skiing game from, from Ubisoft. That's but I'm sure you altogether. could ski in this to defeat a red monster. <laughs> um, next next story I almost didn't include this and then I thought about it and I'm like actually this is don't call me Ashley <laughs> so Breath of the Wild 2 is hiring for quote new experience raises exciting possibilities based on the headline you'd be like oh it's just one of those job postings yada yada this is from Nintendo's official website and it's not a job posting necessarily it's an a special interview on the Japanese site kind of like the Iwata asks interviews so that's what made me kind of go, okay, this has some credence to it. And here's the quote. For now, we cannot comment much about the game, but our goal is to offer new gaming experiences that exceed those of the previous game. So we need the skills of many people to create this new game. This is the important part. That's the reason we are looking for new terrain designers at Nintendo. That intrigued me in the context of Breath of the Wild. They didn't say new level designers, new dungeon designers, because they've used that term before. Mm-hmm. They said new terrain designers. Are we going to see changes to the overworld? Is they talking about the dark world concept? Is there just going to be more land to explore? I hope this we just see changes of... to the whole game. Was that? Oh, well, I'm sure we'll see changes to the whole game, yeah. Yeah, just something completely new and different than Breath of the Wild. Just I'm kidding, I know we're that. not going to get that. I'm excited about that. Well, I mean, if the overworld, it, depending on how long it's been, they could do things like having new towns and all that kind of stuff. I think this is actually kind of a, interesting news to see. Normally, these job postings are like, ooh, they said they're hiring a dungeon designer. Well, yeah, Zelda has dungeons. It does. But our assumptions was that it's the same world. This tells us it's not going to be the same world. I feel like we can now say that. I mean, it'll be the same overworlds to an extent because they showed that already. But there's going to be changes to that overworld that are significant that they're seeking out new designers for it that's got me hyped cool too i'm very hyped, excited too furious <laughs> and then lastly for our main quest which is kind of our general impressions of apple arcade i have a whole giant list here of a lot of the games that are on apple's website as well as talked about on kutaku and polygon other sites like that but um i think we're both going to be playing apple arcade from what we've been talking about yeah i think we so we didn't want to dive too deep into this because basically it's coming out a few days after this episode goes live yeah so we just wanted to talk about our impressions and how it's changed and some of the games that are coming out um so they revealed that's the first thing they started the conference with is let's talk about Mm -hmm. apple arcade and then they brought up three big name studios back to back to back and it was like well all right they showed off some stuff some of it a little less exciting than others, but uh, like like Frogger from Konami, yeah, versus Sayonara Wild Hearts, and I was like, no matter what, though, they all looked like high quality. They games. did in terms of mobile. That's the yeah. thing is that we know that everything coming from Apple Arcade is going to be high quality from great developers. Won't have any kind of microtransactions, and the price. I think the price yeah. they killed it four ninety nine a month. For unlimited access to, for up to for your whole family for up to six people, yeah. Across, Apple I was TV, expecting phone. over ten dollars. It would have been like, yeah, they could get away with over ten dollars for this. 
but five is like damn yeah i i kind of feel like i don't have a choice i have to consider it and quite honestly they for the most part everything i've seen about it it just looks like mobile games if you're a mobile mm-hmm. gamer this is going to be great for you but then when they showed sayonara wild hearts that was the thing that was like oh they're committing to this this mm-hmm. is like a full-fledged game that you'll find on consoles and you're you're playing on your phone and then so i was like oh okay i'm intrigued i'll definitely do the free month trial but then after the event we see companies starting like posting press releases and things like that and and official statements of a ton of other games that are coming to it as well like whoa they are getting some high quality h2o in here the one i am most <laughs> excited about is oceanhorn 2 knights of the lost realm i liked oceanhorn when it first came out on, on ipad makes sense it That's was the, the zelda knockoff it's a zelda knockoff it is not the best uh zelda experience i will definitely go to that but this looks like a totally different game full 3d environments complete freedom of motion in that environment as opposed to Oceanhorn 1, which is kind of like a top-down, almost like Link's Awakening remake, where it's like top-down and 3D. Mm-hmm. But obviously Link's Awakening looks far more polished. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'll be a better game, to be totally clear. I mean, having the Pathless, things like that. You have, they're bringing a Rayman game. Yeah, Exit the Gungeon Rayman. from Devolver. Exit the Gungeon. This is going to be an exclusive game. Exit the I Gungeon. just said enter. Exit, yeah. From Devolver, yeah. Super Impossible Road. They have an RPG from Square Enix. It's made by the same team as Bravely Default and Octopath Traveler. Right? That's like, exciting. That's, that's huge. So that kind of stuff really got my attention because I thought it was just going to be mobile games. I'm like, no, these are... And these are, to be clear, everything coming into Apple Arcade, this will be the exclusive mobile platform it'll come to. So you won't see these games on Android. But you might yeah. see them on Switch or PS4 or PC or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, for five fucking bucks. Five bucks just for Sayonara Wild Hearts. That game costs like, what, twelve fifteen or something like that on Switch? Well, that's why I'm excited because like Oceanhorn, I'm like, well, I think the game was ten bucks when it first came out. Yep. So like five bucks for the sequel I've been waiting like many years for at this point. And you know it's not going to be a Plants vs. Zombies 2 thing where like, I'm going to get the sequel, but it's going to be completely like disgustingly overtaken by microtransactions. Yeah. I this, I think this might have might of all the services Apple's announced this year, this is the one I'm the most excited about. It is exciting. It is, and we exciting. both kind of poo pooed it when it was first announced. Yeah, and then Total to know that I can sit here and play a little Oceanhorn two on my phone, and then like you know what, I do want to play this on the TV. Boom, it's that yeah. Google Stadia style. My save file is there. Mm-hmm. It will be iPhone only at launch, just because iPad OS is not coming to iPad till later on in the month, and this service is also not coming out on Apple TV later until later in the month. And the Mac Catalina updates necessary to play this, which is coming out in October. So it'll be iPhone only initially, but September nineteenth. Hold it back. Yeah, so September nineteenth. I'm prepared to have a few of these games tested out before next week. Hopefully, dope. I should be able to. Dope, dope, dope. I, wanna, I definitely want to play Oceanhorn too. Oh, why is Oceanhorn 2 coming out the day before Zelda? Because that, like, to me, kills it in a way. Like, <laughs> it's nice to play when I'm waiting game? for a new Zelda game. What was that? Have they confirmed that as a launch game? Oceanhorn 2? Yeah. Because I know yeah, that they, you... like, they're saying there's going to be 100 games coming to the, this fall, but do they have, like, a list of these are coming day one? If They don't have a list like that, but if you go to Apple's site, Oceanhorn is one of the top games that they're featuring. Okay. Which I would assume the ones that are top featuring are the the, the biggest games. That yeah, they're, they're featuring have, that and the Hot Lava game. My brother's going to be super excited about Hot Lava. He's eight it's years bit, old. He literally plays Hot Lava. Lava. Yeah, 
I played Hot Lava when I was a kid. It's a great game. Me too. It's, well, it's called The Floor is Lava, but the game is called Hot Lava because... Well, my brother specifically calls it Hot Lava. What? Yeah, I, I called it Hot Lava too. What? Yeah, I never the called it The Floor Rhode is Lava. Islanders. <laughs> so weird. Us with our cabinets, which are milkshakes. What? Yeah, that's a thing. No, it's not like a huge thing, but it is a thing. You call a milkshake a cabinet? Not like as a common thing, but it has been in the vernacular before. Um, we also call water fountains bubblers. That is a common in the vernacular. I mean, I can get that because bubblers have something to do with water. But how the fuck is a cabinet a milkshake? Let's look it up. I actually don't know. That's insane. Like, there is nothing between... Jesse and I sometimes can start with a word and then make a lot of mental connections to another word and we understand how the other got there. But from cabinet to milkshake. If you type in... So I'm on my iPhone right now. If you type in cabinet MI, it recommends the Wikipedia page for milkshake. That is so stupid. Uh, Let's take a look. Um... Let's find on page. Great feature people don't know. If you go to share on iOS, <laughs> there's find on page. You used to also be able to type it into the address bar, and then there was find showing up in like the Google search results too, but I don't think that's there anymore. Hmm. Great content. Bring us to our subscriber interrogative while I look this up. Um, you did not uh, find that on page, obviously. Our subscriber interrogative, thanks to Dustin, Dusty, as the oh, poll, I found it. yeah, as the poll said, Epilepsy Hill, he actually, oh, I did not actually see this Ryan subscriber interrogative. He talked about the Nicholas Studio thing, but I didn't see this. Because y'all need a Ryan subscriber interrogative this week, what Nicholas Cage movie would you turn into a video game? Great. We're going to pause that real quick. Hold and read about milkshakes. Yes, so this is the Wikipedia. The article is called Coffee Cabinet. A coffee cabinet is an ice cream-based milkshake beverage found almost exclusively in Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts, consisting of coffee, ice cream, coffee syrup, and milk. Ingredients are mixed in a drink blender or milkshake blender. So it's just called a cabinet because it's everything you would find in the cabinet mixed into one? I guess so. You guys are so dumb. (laughs) <laughs> dusty dusty hill dust economy actually the hill. etymology of the term is unknown <laughs> no one knows why <laughs> that's really funny so what nicholas cage movie would you turn into a video game ghost rider oh i went and saw that for my 17th birthday it came I've out never on s- my birthday february 17th 1990 not no I've... it did not come out the day i was born <laughs> <laughs> but it came out on my birthday. I have never seen Ghost Rider, but I just think that I want to play as that character with that like fire chain. Yeah, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, you can do that. Yeah, but like polished specifically for Ghost Rider as opposed to, you know. You've never played Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. You don't know if it's polished or not. No, what I mean is like it's he is the singular character they focused on for that game as opposed to every Marvel character as well as Ghost Rider. You don't know that they didn't. I'm pretty sure no, that's how Marvel no, Lights works. You can't be sure without playing it. In I this case, think I think I can make, be sure. I could I could see like Annapurna Interactive or like the Chinese room, the people who made Edith Fancher, something like that, like doing a Wicker Man thing. 
I haven't seen Wicker Man. All I know is that it's the bees and the head thing. Is, is the bees that. and the heads? I just I want somebody who can like do an interactive spooky mystery thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even. Maybe well, obviously interactive. It's a game. Stupid idiot me. Yeah, that could be a fun one. Wicker Man, the video game. Also, here's another good one. Um, I can't remember the subtitle for it, but there's a Bad Lieutenant movie that features Nicolas Cage. And I really want them to make like a Grand Theft Auto where Nicolas Cage is the main character that you play as. And you just hear him say Nicolas Cage things and just yelling like Nicolas Cage does. Nicolas awesome. Cage just yelling. The issue, though, is I haven't seen a lot of Nicolas Cage movies, actually. I've, I've, seen, like, I've avoided them in recent history. Adaptation's a fantastic movie. Not a good game. Wouldn't be a good game, no. Nope. Would not be a good game at all. But it's a very, very good movie. But this is not what Nicolas Cage movies do you like. So thank you for your question, Dust Enchilada Hill. That's it now. We're going to let that sink in. We're going to move on to Game on Game Show, our game on our gaming show called Game On, where we play a game on our game show. Game, 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 game. We've got three video game would-you-rathers because I've got to get the hell out of here and catch a flight. We're going to work through them. So We're going to talk busy. about... I know. I'm the busiest man in California. R.I.P. <laughs> LTD Inc. First, would you rather... Would you rather only be able to play games if you're constantly eating a never-ending Slim Jim? Or only be able to eat while constantly playing Ring Fit Adventure? I'll take the first one. For sure. So you're gaming, but you have to have this never-ending Slim Jim just like snaking out of your mouth, and you have to constantly be chewing and eating a Slim Jim the whole time. Yeah, sure. Have you ever opened a Slim Jim? <laughs> I don't mind Slim Jims. They're not Have great, you ever but... smelled the air after opening a Slim Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Those things smell so... As a person who is disgusted by beef jerky and Slim Jims in general... Oh, it's alley beef jerky. It just, it's so pungent. And then you have to chew it. <laughs> it's like, that's food. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't say I eat Slim Jims on the regular. It's, I probably haven't had one in a few years, but I don't mind them. They're okay. Can you imagine how long do you think you'd be able to play though while constantly eating? Take a long time chewing. You think you could keep that up? Your jaw would get so tired after about an hour. No, I chew a lot of gum. <laughs> I, have a, I have a strong <laughs> jaw. Yeah, but gum is not as like <laughs> tough as a Slim Jim. Slim Jims aren't that tough. But you're already going to be... Just fucking play Ring Fit Adventure, man. <laughs> <laughs> Ring Fit Adventure, I think, would be difficult to do because if you want to eat like but, cereal while you're doing that, you can't do it. But also, in that, like, let's say you figure out how to eat the food, right? Then the benefits of Ring Fit Adventure are gone because you're eating calories while burning calories, and you're probably going to eat more calories than you can burn. It's a circle of life. Yeah, but I don't need to maintain. I need to lose. And I, not, I guess Slim Jims wouldn't be helping with that. No, they would. They would be doing the opposite because you're sitting down, being sedentary. I guess and it also, also means that if you're Slim playing Jims. Ring Fit Adventure, I'd also have to be eating a Slim Jim, which means that. You don't have to eat a Slim Jim during Ring Fit Adventure. You can eat anything. No, no, no. If I have to, if I'm playing a video game and I have to be eating a Slim Jim while playing a video game, <laughs> that carries so, over to okay. Ring Fit Adventure. Okay. In that case, I have to choose eat while playing Ring Fit, Ring Fit Adventure because I'm going to be eating anyway while playing Ring Fit Adventure. But that's just one game as opposed to all games. So, Well, here's the, the part about the I second one, it. though, is that every time you eat, 
So if you're just like oh, every time you eat, you have to play you Ring have Fit to play Adventure. Ring Fit Adventure. Yeah. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. Mom's like, "Hey, I made pancakes. Cool, mom. Bring it to the living room. Let me play some Ring Fit Adventure while I eat it." Or, oh, okay. oh my gosh, you guys, we just got off of so and so ride at Disney World. Let's get a soft pretzel. All right, let me get out my Switch. Let me get out my Ring Con. I'm gonna sit here and do some <laughs> they don't have a ups TV on the ground. Or an outlet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. But with the power of the Switch and the Switch Lite and separate Joy-Con. Can't play. Can you play this on Switch Lite? I don't know. If you have a separate Joy-Con. I guess. And you have some kind of kickstand mode or you don't mind looking at the ground. There you go. I guess. Number two. Would you rather be in charge of the paperwork and onboarding for the thousands of evil henchmen in a game? Or be in charge of buying hundreds of tape recorders, distributing them to every character, and then gathering them, putting them in order, and <laughs> hiding them in all the dangerous environments. The paperwork would be easier, I think. It would certainly be easier, but I feel like that would be super monotonous, and you'd have to deal with like all the tax forms. You could get everyone's W-4s, and then you know they're going to die. just working HR. That's all you're doing. You're just working HR. But they're all going to be shot down and mowed down by the hero in the game, and then you got to figure out, all right, where who's their beneficiary? How do I get their insurance filed? You're right. That's the easier job, the less risky job. Yeah. But listen to this. If you go up to everyone, everyone's putting their secrets on these tape recorders. Obviously, you've played a video game. Their deepest, darkest secrets and things that will find them, like get them arrested and put in jail if anyone ever heard them. You get to listen to those on your way to whatever really dangerous jungle or fucking rundown building that you're planting these in. That's a good point. It's juicy, good entertainment. It's you get to travel, but like the thing is, is that the first one's just like a day job. I just do that, then I go home at night and you know live whatever I want to do. But it's this other one. I, I, I it's so time consuming. I have to to do it all the time. I'd be traveling all over the place and all that. It's just so much time is involved in that. Whereas the other one's just, it's just like a day job. It's like a nine to five. Yeah. I guess I just like a little spice in my life, so I'll choose the second one. But I, I get the spice in my life after I do that. I'm going to have a job anyway. Do you? It's going to be monotonous and doing something over and over again the same exact <laughs> way. <laughs> Last question. Would you rather your belly button was a Destiny Ghost-style AI companion, but it was yes. useless, but it was useless unless you wore crop tops or something with the belly cut out? <laughs> 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 or... Have a backpack that has Kazooie in it. Since you haven't played Banjo-Kazooie, you can lean back and Kazooie will poke its feet out and run really fast so you don't have to worry about running. Um, it also allows you to jump really, really high using Kazooie's legs. But also Kazooie is just a bitch. She is so mean. And she's just a jerk, constantly making fun of you. But very helpful. Can also fly. So, for the sake of humanity, mm-hmm. I will not wear a crop top and reveal my belly button. <laughs> for the sake of humanity, I will not do that. And I don't like the abilities to to run really fast, not have to do anything about it, to jump really high and all that stuff. That sounds kind of great. And I don't know. I already have you who makes fun of me all the time, so it's pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I'm comfortable enough with my body yet to have a... Uh just an open ring around my belly button 
I just want mm-hmm. I I love the the visual of someone walking around with just the belly cut out of like just a circle around their belly button cut out of their shirt. <laughs> it's so stupid. Or wearing crop tops. But um I guess I could find some way to like rip out Kazooie's voice box. <laughs> <laughs> You go to the vet, like, hi, I, you have a problem with your pet? No, 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 not at all. I, she's just, can you just rip the voice box out of him, please? <laughs> the vet will <laughs> do that for you. And here's the thing. Kazooie can go running and do all these things. Kazooie plays Ring Fit Adventure while I eat. Oh. Boom. Yeah. Shaka Khan. That's it for Game On Game Show, and that is it for our episode this week. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support us, go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. Donate just a dollar and get a lot of shit like influencing what we play for barf backlog accomplishment with respawn and friends as holden mentioned we're playing near automata this month and by the time you're listening to this we will have our survey up for people who to vote on september's so nope october's time is a flat circle um so vote on that go to respawning fires patreon page tell us what we're gonna play next week and we're introducing for the first time the option for bits of barf which is playing several small games instead of one big game over the month Ooh, spoopy uh and that's it just be good to people i love you and until next time here's our usual sign off <laughs>